from that point, I had to learn from her, but try to dig in from my own self and not just mimic. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. Jelena's Ballet Dance Evolution offers unique training and performance opportunities for intermediate to professional level dancers. Apply for Jelena's BD experience for a training intensive that includes four to six weeks of online training, four days of rehearsal and a performance or audition to join BDA at one of their upcoming performances. Details you can find at joinbda.com, link in the show notes. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Welcome back to the Balladance Life podcast and today we have another treat. Every story, every episode is like a treasure conversation. So today uh, for our treat we have uh, Jesse Zuar as our guest. She began ballet dancing in 1997, studying primarily with Katrina Burda and later Jamila Salimpur. 2004 began her over 10-year journey of living and studying on and off in Istanbul, where she studied Turkish Roman dance primarily with Rehan Tusus. She was Rehan's second ever student. And as the year progressed and time passed, she met uh, many more people and danced and studied with other dancers, including professionals just simple regular women in the kitchen and even an adult attache dancers and many more locals in istanbul were amazed at uh, her natural familiarity with music and dance that she developed over the years she was uh, while she was there in istanbul Jaseya was featured dance at many local events, weddings, shows, and even written about in newspapers and asked to be in movies as a dancer. What an amazing uh, story in arc, and today she is uh, sharing her love and passion and knowledge about Turkish Roman culture and dance uh, by teaching classes, uh, workshops, and doing a lot of uh, different uh, interesting things, including curating a Facebook uh, group, sharing uh, lots of really interesting uh, videos and articles there. And we didn't talk much about Facebook group, but I will uh, include link in the show notes and I highly encourage you after you listen to this episode, go there and check because there is so many cool treasures and videos of not only stage performance, but actual performance from like real thing, like from local weddings, from parties, from people dancing on the streets, like really cool stuff and all uh, gathered together. So definitely go ahead and check it out. 
And I'm so excited to go ahead and dive into this conversation because her story of learning the dance and exploring the dance is truly amazing and inspiring. So get ready. Hello, Dea Jesse. Uh, how are you? And welcome to the Balladance Life podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so excited to talk about uh, everything you do. But before we dive into your main today's specialty or things that you are known for, uh, I want to ask you, do you remember your very first belly dance class? And if you have any memories or associations, uh, images related to, to that uh, event? <laughs> Okay, that's a fun question. Um, well, my first belly dance teacher, it was the second class I went to, but the first one I really consider, you know, the, my belly dance class, and that was with Katerina Berta. Mm -hmm. And it was the most incredible experience because she would teach us regional dances. So we were learning dances from Turkey, from Bulgaria, from... Uh, like line dances from Bulgaria, um, the more Karshlama 9-8 Turkey. We were learning older Egyptian styles, cane dance, um, Armenian dance, line dance, and all of these different things. And uh, it was just a really remarkable class in time. She always told us that a complete dancer um, played an instrument, sang, and danced. Mm. So that was always what she encouraged us to do. And She would sit down and teach us songs and um, so just a lot of really good memories of music, dance, instruments, various styles, always various styles, you know, and hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, that's interesting. I never heard about uh, someone adding also singing element to bad dance class. Playing music like zills, it's something like, or drums, it's something that is more uh, common around the world. But uh, singing, that's interesting. But it actually makes total sense because it's very probably traditional uh, for dancers to, to also be able to sing. <laughs> right, exactly. And she would point out You know, there's a lot of women from different cultures all over that, you know, they've been doing, of course, you know, singing and playing music for celebrations, weddings, uh, births, um, um, you know, baby births or birthdays, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. all kinds of celebrations. And probably also for some of the sadder ones, you know, for when you lose people and deaths and so forth. And, you know, there's these traditions of women with frame drums playing and singing, you know, and it makes perfect sense. And so she introduced us to, uh, also Katerina does a lot of Moroccan, like the Shikat stuff and Gidra. And so she introduced us to some of those forms. And there's these women, um, I don't quite know how to pronounce it, but it's like Benet Al-Halawi. And this is, you know, beautiful group of like seven or 10 women sing, drum and dance incredibly Moroccan Shikat style. Mm. Um, and then she would point out some of the old Greek uh, singers and dancers. And there used to be this format, which is a format she was more used to seeing uh, when she was young and dancing. And that was, you know, um, these women who would sing these beautiful songs, Turkish or Greek or Armenian songs. And then during the instrumental part, they would come out and do a little bit of dance and then go back to singing. And it was all introduced in belly dance class, right? Uh, 
Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting also, it was not only limited to only like what we traditionally consider as Middle East, like Egypt and Turkey and a little bit of like uh, Morocco and Lebanese themes sometimes happen. But uh, you mentioned she was also uh, introduced in Bulgarian, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bulgarian, Armenian, um, you know, because a lot of the line dances, so we would do... Um, you know, she, she loved line dancing and the Balkan folk line dances. And so in Berkeley, California, there's a big group of people that, you know, have studied these dances for a long time and teach them and get together every week and dance them and play the music. And, um, and so she used to go to those all the time. So when I met her, we would start to learn the dance and hear the music. And then we started to learn where the shows were and where people would gather and hold hands and dance in different circles that, you know, some traditions will call it the horo, which means circle. And, um, and they're often just different, not necessarily a, a complete circle, but often just a line of dancing that circles around and so forth. And there's a lot of uh, Eastern European and Roma cultures that do that. So she's the one who introduced uh, me to even like what really Roma dance and Roma culture was. And that got me you know, on the path to, to explore more. <clears throat> I see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's interesting also to hear from perspective of ballet dance, uh, beginners, beginning students, uh, they often get confused as like, oh, this has nothing to do with like ballet dance or like, uh, a lot of people, especially today, because I remember my own training and I had the same story, like in our ballet dance class, oriental classes, still were learning folklore and it was like Tunisian folklore or something, like if for semester the teacher decided decided to throw this specific choreography in this folklore that's you had to stuck with it like even if you didn't like and as a beginners we usually come to ballet dance class with all those images of uh, whatever we saw ballet dance from like either uh, Shakira mm-hmm. or Cloni so it's like all those oriental Moroccan fantasies uh, how typical uh-huh. about general audience and then suddenly it's like this kind of folklore and now it's interesting the trend that I see more and more all around the world that teachers decide to separate folklore dances in a separate folklore style but then what happens beginners very rarely take those classes because that's not what they think they came for <laughs> right i don't know how how yeah. in, in in your state uh, in uh it is but uh that's just something I, i saw in a couple of countries and that's kind of sad so i'm really curious to know like for you and uh, for you and remembering your other let's say classmates <laughs> other dancers in your group then you were a beginner how did you uh reacted on like suddenly having line dance that visually had really nothing to do with ballet dance i think that's a really really great question it's really um It's a lot. It's in alignment with what I think about and how I feel about, you know, dance and music in general. But I think, I mean, to be honest, it's a really kind of silly story. But I wasn't really interested in belly dance. I, um, because what I saw of belly dance are these images that I think you're referring to, which I wasn't interested. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in, you know, like. The, the dancers that I had seen in restaurants or out and about in America, you know, in these two piece outfits, you know, dancing, uh, you know, these like Orientalism styles and, um, 
you know, just kind of living out their fantasy um, or what they, you know, what they enjoy. And I don't mean fantasy bad necessarily, just whatever it was, right? It just, it didn't, that's what I thought of as belly dance, you know, any, any kind of woman being in a two piece outfit, being any level of experience dancing in public to get some, a couple ones in their belt at a restaurant, you know, with uh, taped music. And so that was the image I had of belly dance. And, um, and then a whole bunch of people kept saying, Oh, you should belly dance. You should belly dance. You have a body for belly dancer. And it was just such a weird thing to hear. But I heard it so many times, I thought, well, maybe I should go check it out. <laughs> so ah. I went to, because I was always doing like African, I did a lot of West African dance. Ah, I and, see. Uh-huh. Um, that was probably the primary dance I was doing, like as a teenager, I was playing that music and dancing, and it was amazing. You know, and it's very much connected to everything, including, you know, the Moroccan styles, and of course, Egyptian too. It's all, there's so much similarity to me. You know, I see the thread. And so, yeah, I took one class that was very much the image that, you know, that I was mentioning. I took one class or two of that, and it was not, I wasn't interested at all. And then I think I saw Katerina's flyer, and it was like a drawn, it was a a beautiful woman drawn in pencil, and she was wearing like, you know, baggy pants and, you know, nice tassel belt and like a covered long shirt and you know, big earrings in her hair is just beautiful. And that style really is more like the Renaissance Fair that um, started in California. Mm-hmm. And that's where my community comes from. And are you familiar with um, the Renaissance Fairs that happened in California in the 70s and they continue today? Oh, they continue today? No. Uh, I mean, I kind of know, do you mean like those uh, sort of... Uh, another version of it like medieval festivals that people kind of go mm-hmm. and pre- not pretend but yeah basically it's uh, pretend that they live in different uh, uh, times and that they t- try to recreate those times and they are mm-hmm. like uh, uh, clothes uh, food whatever is happening within this two days do you mean like that style of events yes exactly ah, uh-huh, that. cool uh-huh so that began like in the 60s or 70s and there's a whole long story about it, but there was a belly dance stage got got created and primarily from this man, Daryush Sami, and he's a Persian sun tour player. And so he started playing and he started teaching others and some other musicians came and they started this little stage next to the Mullah's coffee house. And that's where a lot of the like really well-known dancers started from. Hmm. And so Jamila Salampur, which I'm sure you know Jamila, mm-hmm. right? And so, so she, um, she started teaching in Berkeley around that same time, and she started to bring her dancers to those Renaissance fairs, and one of her dancers was my teacher. So the style, like the imagery that comes to me for belly dance came through Katerina, and she came through Jamila, um, and it's more like... Um, I mean, I wish I could paint the picture of the first drawing that I saw of her flyer, you know, but just like, you know nice baggy pants, a long shirt that covers a beautiful, simple belt, you know, like, like simple covered and beautiful. And you know that they're going to like rock your house when they start dancing, you know, mm. so that's the image that it is for me now. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, it's basically coming, I don't know, that's just my impression from your description, like coming more to the roots and the folkloric roots of ballet dance, because uh, yeah. eventually that it came evolved from, mm-hmm. like in a different maybe exactly. variation, but basically, uh, that's, that's interesting, uh, because so many people get inspired exactly by the image of, uh, let's say, orient- oriental image of ballet dance that we see on social media, or not even social media, but before, like, on TV or uh, presented in the media by, like, singers or movies, uh, etc. And then uh, here it's interesting to to see completely opposite. It's actually more um, hooked by, like, more traditional... uh, Like, historical or not historical, but uh, basically more... uh, uh, more folkloric, I guess, uh, roots of belly dance. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, the folkloric roots of belly dance. And also the way that I've come to it is just it's regional, you know, mm-hmm. because the thing is, is what happens is the word traditional often um, sets a timeline on a tradition and the traditions are living. And so something is traditional that was that was created yesterday from the culture that it is just as much as something 200 years ago, you know, these things are living and breathing. There are definitely, you know, um, time periods and, and regions and all that. And and it's, it's, um, it's significant when you really start to be able to recognize and see the differences, you realize that, um, I mean, Shabi, for example, you know, like the Egyptian Mm -hmm. Shabi, it keeps evolving. It's been evolving, I think, since the 60s. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good example. And there's people who probably want to argue, you know, that it's just like it's new and it's not traditional, but it's it's of the culture that is living. You know what I mean? It's the reflection of what is, yeah. you know, for these places. And so it's like, how far back do you want to go and what region are you talking about? There's not a Turkish dance. There's not an Egyptian dance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's yeah. not a gypsy dance, right? <laughs> There's time periods and regions. And Yeah, but it's also an interesting question, like what we call traditional, if you dig really long time ago, deep, at some point it probably was a mixture, fusion of something else. Uh, because cultures, yeah. they also migrate, like we have migration historical, we have, uh, uh, like people exchanging their knowledge, people wanting to experiment, and then someone else liked, picked up, and it becomes more popular and more common. And then after a certain number of years, we start calling that traditional. <laughs> In the roots, <laughs> it might have been actually fusion at some point, <laughs> or what we call fusions <laughs> today. Yeah, I, uh, that's interesting. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. And it makes sense. I mean, that's the human experience, right? Like countries didn't have certain spices until the spice trade came through and that changed their cuisine. You know, why would Mm -hmm. dance be any different than cuisine? Language, Turkish is made up of probably more than at least, you know, at least there's Arabic, Persian. um, um, I can't remember. (laughs) There's at least one other one, I think, you know, that, that, there's a lot of those words within Turkish, right? And so there's just, of course, through dance, people are are seeing what they like, taking it, moving it, changing it. It's um, the most natural thing. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's so right? true. 
Uh, talking about your passion to Turkish Romani dance, uh, how, like you mentioned that you discovered it through your teacher, uh, but once you, uh, what was your first uh, interaction? Was it already, uh, maybe she was teaching you some dances showing, or was it just the music, or maybe you saw someone, some flyer, <laughs> another flyer? <laughs> what was your first interaction with this dance style? Well, let's see. I, you know, Katerina would teach us these different rhythms, you know, so she taught us the Turkish Roma stuff that she had learned like 50 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Which was a softer version of what they call Karşılama, you know, it was before it wasn't the harder Roma modern stuff that we know. And so just hearing that rhythm just really kind of blew me away. And then um, Elizabeth Strong went to Turkey with Lars Turgis, who's a violinist, And, um, and they came back and she showed what she had learned. And it was just, when I saw it, I said, I'm, I'm going to study. Like, I just knew that's what I had to do. And before she had come back and studied, um, Lars would be playing it in the kitchen sometimes at the music camps. <laughs> mm. So whenever he was doing the dishes, I would hear that music on a tape and I would just come in and say like, what is that music? <laughs> Mm. And he'd say like, oh, this, this is the Roman stuff. This is, this is the shit right here. <laughs> and I just, every time I heard it, I just, it moved my heart. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was like what I'd been waiting for my whole life. And, uh, and so when I had an opportunity to go, and especially once I saw Elizabeth come back with the dance, I had an opportunity. I just, I went not knowing anything about Turkey and just knowing that I loved the dance and the music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It felt like my heartbeat for the first time. <laughs> and when you, did you go to the Tur to Turkey for the first time? Uh, did you have already someone on your mind to study with, or it was just like I'll go and try to figure out there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I went. No, uh, Elizabeth came back and she had found. Um, she had found Rehan mm -hmm. and maybe you should interview her one day and you could, she could tell you the whole story, how it happened. But uh, she came back and said that she found uh, this woman and she learned from her and that she wants more students. <laughs> and so that was um, all I needed to hear. So I went knowing that I could study with her and um, I went with Lars, who's the violinist as well. And he had already been there. Um, studying with Husnu, who was, um, was her husband and violinist. Mm -hmm. So I went with someone who had already known the area a bit and the teacher, and I went knowing that she wanted more students. Mm -hmm. How so, long time ago was it? <laughs> it was like, I'm 40 now, and I went there when I was 26. So... So about 14 years, 14, 14 years. Like I was, I bet Rayhan's English back then was not, not the best because <laughs> I met her in 2011. And I remember like her English basically was like zero at that time. Now it's better. So now all her students um, are a bit uh. luckier. So can you tell us a little bit about your first classes and how it was without uh, like a ha being able to actually communicate with your teacher in, in, uh, in, in any language, or maybe you had someone translating or did you use dance as your language? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's another really great question. It was, you know, um, I went there not speaking any of the language, and she spoke zero English. Um, but I went there every every day with Lars because he was taking violin from her husband. So we would go there together, mm-hmm. and he would um, express to them like what I want, you know. And you know, we ended up working out something where we were taking three or four classes a week. So we were really, really blessed mm-hmm. because we were only her second student. So um, it's quite a different, you know, structure all around. And so we, uh, he, you know, we talked, we ate, and then he'd go have his lesson, I have mine. And then she would just dance. And we, uh, you know, he, he would tell me, like, he would teach me a couple words, like, you know, I learned how to say, like, slower, again, please, thank you, I don't understand, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, one more time, a couple of these things. So um, I had a couple words, you know, to work with while I was learning the language. And, um, you know, what I found is I went, I went there on and off for eight years living and and studying and, you know, all of that. And what I found is the more we could communicate, the less it shifted, you know, it shifted the experience. We Mm -hmm. were, it was a blessing to be able to communicate, you know, because we were friends and I could ask more things, but a lot can be communicated just through, (laughs) without your words. You have to think in more and pay attention more and really do like a call and response, a playful thing. So as the years came by, we were able to communicate very well. But the first year, the the, the first time I was there, um, yeah, (laughs) it was hand gestures and a lot of smiles, a lot of laughing, you know, a lot of playfulness. I mean, one thing that did happen that was really, you know, so I would be, I was the second student ever, right? And I was probably the fourth or fifth non-Roma that really like walked through those neighborhoods. I mean, that's what they said. Like nobody went through those neighborhoods at that time. And so no one, you know, Rehan was never a teacher. I was the second woman that she had in her house, you know, doing that. Mm-hmm. And... um and so everyone came to watch, you know, so like I, I would get there and there'd be, you know, teams of children and people following us. We'd get to the, you know, room, the house. And then when the dancing started, you know, there'd be six or eight people staring through the window trying to see me, trying to see what was going on. They had to like put the blinds down. And then there was like aunties and cousins and, you know, who wanted to come and sit and watch. And like they would kick most of them out, but they would let some of them stay. And then here I am trying to like learn, you know, being very humble and, you know, a little bit scared, but very excited. And I have like, you know, 10 ladies from age five to 95 sitting there staring at me, like speaking in a language I don't understand, but their faces look like they're like, uh, you know, judging me. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't very loving. It was, you know, it was pretty harsh judgment. And so that was really difficult to have to, I had to choose in that moment. Like they're smiling at my face, but what they're saying to each other, you know, like I I don't understand what's going on. Everyone's talking probably about me. And I had to just have hope and 
my love for the dance and my trust in Rehan enough to learn in that circumstance. <laughs> it was quite a challenge. Oh, I spirit. can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, pretty wow. outrageous. Yeah. But, you know, it was um, slowly, slowly, we all, we, we played uh, so much with each other because we couldn't speak, you know? The moment that we had enough things that we could speak about, it got more serious. <laughs> we, you know, when we couldn't speak, everything was a joke and a game and, you know, mimicry and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. It was great. Yeah, I missed it. It was really, really cool time. <laughs> wow, that's quite a story or quite a learning process. <laughs> um, it really was. Well, but as far as I know, those talks later changed to, to completely different kind of talks about you, you and your approach with Turkish uh, Romani dance. <laughs> and actually, you were praised that you start dancing like a Roma. Uh, is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you've participated in quite uh, events and projects in Turkey. So in those years, how much time did you actually spend in Turkey? You said you were like on and off, uh, but like, is, was it like, I don't know, yeah. one trip per year, one month at a time? Like how, on average, how much you actually spend like that time? It was three to six months a year for eight years. Oh, wow. You know, I would, I would come and go. I, everywhere I was around the world, I always just wanted to be there, you know. <laughs> But the thing was is that, you know, I went to Turkey. And even though I definitely, I, I picked it up in, in a way that, you know, people really praised me and, and, you know, gave me some nice respect. But at the same time, you know, the, there, there will always be a distinct difference between me and them. And as far as dancing, you know, it was, I was really able, I loved it so much and I was able to catch a feel that was really nice. And it's really this like inner groove of the music, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but it's amazing whenever I'll dance next to them, you know, I just, I can feel how much I wasn't born there. There's such a difference when you're just born in it, when you were raised in the belly that was bouncing in it at the weddings, you know, when you were being held on, you know, your mother's, hip while she's you know cooking food or dancing at the wedding too or just walking around every all the sounds and all the everything that's the daily life is what creates those little little nuances you know that make it palm roman make it like really fully roma <laughs> uh, by the way um, then you came first time to study with Rehan. did you know already the very basics or it was the very first introduction by her <laughs> And the reason why I'm asking, because I remember I came, I, I found out Turkish Romani dance via some YouTube video. And I first like, oh, that's like trick. That's fun, tricky, but oh, that's easy. I should figure out just by following video. And then once I started, I was like, oh, oops, what's going on? <laughs> I don't understand yeah. the movement, don't understand the music, can't catch anything. Like it, it looks so, so simple, but it's so, so difficult i even tried to slow down like uh, i was like that's impossible to learn just like that so i decided to mm -hmm. go to turkey and i was lucky that exactly like in a few months after the decision there was uh back then it was turkish delight festival i think it was there like last or the year before last uh, run that they had and uh, rayhan was one of the teachers but back then also her english uh was like i mean she 
she knew like two words maybe <laughs> like the basic up, 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 up. yeah something like that so the class was basically just following her and i remember after i took all her workshops in like one day like i don't know three four hours whatever she was teaching i was there and at the night i was dying i was dying from such a terrible pain in my lower back because of course as a belly dancer i was doing completely different movement i was trying to engage like belly muscles to make it work and then it's completely different physicality like if you do it properly you can do it for hours and nothing will be to your body but if you don't have proper like explanation first it's very difficult to recognize especially with a belly dance background you right away want to put some movements that are already familiar to you to put them instead of that uh, belly up uh, or bouncing belly famous bouncing belly in Turkish Romani dance so I want to ask about your experience in the beginning by just following someone uh, how difficult was to catch the movements without having traditional western uh, way of explain, actually explaining what's supposed to happen in your body but just learning by following someone how was that experience for you Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a another, of course, great question. Um, well, so I had learned the rhythm a bit, you know, with Katerina and some of the basic moves within the rhythm, not the Roman style that Rehan does, but just the basic moves that you would see Turkish people do or Roma people do, but with the flavors of their culture. So I had a little bit of that, but I was traveling and living with a musician and we went out to music every single night and we always went to the Roma musicians. So I had dance classes with Rehan and then I had um, at home, we would practice, I would practice drum, he would practice violin and then we'd go out to clubs and when they were playing the music, I would be like clapping or stamping my foot and whenever I would did it wrong, you know, he would like tap my, my leg with the right rhythm. <laughs> so it got tapped into me in many ways, you know, through all of these different experiences. Um, also, uh, you know, um, being with Rehan at the time with her children, there were, I mean, I think that Gulazar the first time I was there was like five or something. And so she was, you know, five. And then her daughter Meltem was like 12 or 13, you know, and then there was Rehan and then there were some grandmothers and then there were some young boys. And so being in my classes, I saw so many different style, like little bodies doing it, you know, the little young children, which I really find a lot of help in the basic movements because they're still developing as movers and humans, but they were raised in it and they don't have the mindset of their mindsets just different, you know? So I learned a lot from the children because of the simplicity, but the, the very deep under like natural understanding of the rhythm mm. and then um following her was so difficult i mean people when they take my class you know they'll say like oh my god you know you do it so good and like i can't get it i'll never get it and i just keep i always tell them like you should just, i need to make a video of my my first classes <laughs> like my first few months of classes mm -hmm. you know because 
I mean, I looked worse than any of my students <laughs> in my workshops. You know what I mean? Like, it was incredibly awkward. It was, I loved the music and I loved the experience, but um, I stumbled all over myself and the movements were, you know, very much took a while for them to come together. But I had so much experience. I had so many uh, opportunities with to watch people and people to teach me their way. And um, uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I knew some people who um, I became friends with the folks from Anadolu Ateshi, which used to be Fire, or it's Fire of Anatolia. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like a big modern contemporary uh, dance group that does folk dancing. And so it was interesting to hear their perspective on it, you know. So there's all these different perspectives that I got that helped kind of form my experience. But like the most, I think it was really just, um, um, it was really, she was just like, you stay, like just like this, you know, Mm -hmm. know? like, but, but how do you do it? You know, she'd just be like, Roman Burley, you know, the <laughs> Roma were just like this, you know, that was the answer. Well, how did you think of that? She's like, Allah, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, just like Allah gave it to me. And so those were the descriptions of how you do it. <laughs> but um, when she, um, this really interesting moment happened. So, you know, I was mimicking her, you know, and she was really my main role model, mimicking her, practicing, practicing. And one day I was at a club and dancing for joy, you know, not for um, performance. And one of the musicians came up to me. He goes, do you know Rehan Tussuz? And I said, yeah, how do you know her? He goes, she's from my neighborhood. You dance just like her. How do you know her? <laughs> and I, and so we talked and he recognized Rehan through my dancing. And I thought that was like, you know, I went back to Rehan and said, oh, my God, I met this guy from your neighborhood and this is what happened. And I thought she would be proud. And um, and it, she wasn't. It was like it was like I had taken her, uh, you know, her identity as, as dance. Mm. And what I realized in that moment more than ever is that this dance has to be my expression of the music and my cultural experience and understanding, which has flavors of uh, you know, my experience in Turkey, but I was raised in America, you know, and I had to, from that point, I had to learn from her, but try to dig in from my own self, you know, and not just mimic. And I'm not saying under any circumstances that I dance just like her or, you know, I mean, her caliber will forever be the high dance queen that she is, but he was able to see her unique movements in me. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, that's a lineage and that's nice. But on the other hand, it was like, um, this dance form is a vehicle for your own unique expression within that rhythm and within certain, uh, you know, pulses. Right. But it's, um, as you watch more and more, and now we're blessed with YouTube, I mean, now you can be inside any wedding, you know, any living room, any alleyway, and watch the endless varieties. Since since YouTube started, first I'd only seen the weddings that I could see live in Istanbul. All of a sudden with YouTube, 
and then the progression of techno roman you know <laughs> you start and everything in hip hop you can just you can see the vast amounts of influence and you can see this dance is how they've been dancing it for like 70 or 80 years this dance is closer to the bulgarian border so their dance is slightly different these ones are in izmir these ones are in istanbul you know these ones are the younger generation these are the ones that like hip hop more these are the ones that do club more it's very distinctive that answers more than just your question but it's related <laughs> no it's absolutely uh, like great and it actually brought me to literally brought me to my next question that was on my mind and then you uh, kind of uh, Uh, touch the topic too about uh, uniqueness and personality in dance uh, because I I want to ask your opinion on that I talked uh, in my dance explorations throughout the years I talked to and I studied with different teachers but primarily my teacher was also Ray Han but I heard uh, some people were uh, Turkish people and not Turkish Romani people, but Turkish people who specialize in dance and do academic research in dance. They were kind of uh, not complaining, but uh, they could kind of were describing, oh, Rehan, she's done her style. They, I even heard one person, Turkish person said that she's, she's not doing Romani, she's doing belly dance. I was like, what? That was very strange. So I want to ask, did you have experience of study with someone else who also teaches a Romani dance in Turkey? And was it different really from what Rehan does? Because it's interesting, she has very strong personality in her dance, but a, a majority of the dance community, we when we think today about Turkish Romani dance, we think specifically about her style. So In your experience, if you had any interaction with other teachers, was it the same kind of information about this dance and dance movements, or was it actually different? Well, I mean, I think that, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot to be said on that, but I would say, you know, <laughs> you know, there's, There's a public version, you know, like there's a version that is the truth that I can say on this podcast. And then there's other truths that are probably more personal and should not be public, you know, like everything. There's always things that people have said and think, you know, there's all these, there's always these things. Mm -hmm. Right. But I would say like publicly, like, There's still a lot of racism for the Roma people, first of all. Mm, like, mm -hmm. they're very cared for in, like, in Turkey, and they're very not cared for. So even though they like the music and the dance, they, a lot of people will still talk down. It's very much in the vocabulary and in the spirit. And I've noticed that. And I also noticed a sense of, like... She's good, but don't blow her head up like, you know, there's other ones that are just as good as her. And I heard a lot of that, too. And um, it's like, you know, no doubt. You know what I mean? Like, she's a great dancer and she's a wonderful woman. And so she had the opportunity where foreigner, a foreigner dancer came who is a well-known and respected dancer in a community that then it, it, it went like wildflower. That was her luck, you know, mm -hmm. that was her kismet. Um, 
of course there's, I mean, the dance that, that, you know, what she does is her representation of the music and she has her inspirations, right? Like why she dances the way she does, how she was raised, who were her inspirations. So, um, her style is very much classified as Turkish Roman. Like, you know, there's no question about that. It's modern. It's a, it's, you know, it's a more modern um, style, but it's a living tradition. Right. And so there's in the, the Turks dance the style incredibly different. They don't have the same weight exchange or the same, you know, they bounce in a way that for in that, the Roma don't as much, but also there's male style, female style, regional style, age style. There's so many variables. So I would say people talk, they say all kinds of things, you know, and they have all kinds of opinions. It just depends on where they're coming from. But in my opinion, she's absolutely, she's part of her living culture. She's an amazing dancer. She dances the style um, perfectly and in her form and it matches very much to the bigger community of the Turkish Roma. Mm. Uh, yeah, and the reason why I actually brought up this question, it's not even about discussions like oh, who talk what about what, but uh, for a person who is, let's say, outside of the community, like a foreigner who's trying to figure out things, it can be super confusing, like oh, one person says this, once another person says another thing. So I kind of feel the more we actually discuss and share our learning experience, at least <laughs> with, with each other, like the uh, closer to the sort of truth we can come up but also uh like it's one side of that question was another side of the question i know that when we start learning something we kind of tend to believe our uh uh first like uh teacher and regardless of the style in this case as if it's like oh this is the truth and then uh sometimes we focus on things and think this is just This is just the only thing that exists there. And uh, that's why I was curious about your experience. Like if you learned uh, in general, like uh, later looking for the experience of seeing Turkish Romani dance performed at, uh, and celebrations or uh, some events or studying with other teachers, if maybe you have seen some variety of some other Turkish Romani dancers who present this dance in a different way than Rehan. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, there's, but you can still tell that it's of the same culture, mm -hmm. you know? It's not so vastly different. Although to the eye that doesn't know, maybe it is. So, for example, men dance it differently than women. Mm -hmm. um, but now, but sometimes a man will be dancing like a woman. Sometimes he's doing it in a feminine, feminine way. And sometimes he's doing it, keeping his masculinity, mimicking some feminine moves. Depending on where they come from, you'll see some regions and men dance it more in a Zabek style. And I think that's because that's more of like the lineage or the region they come from. And then you can see it danced in some other styles I can't really like think of right now, 
but you can see the way that they're placing their hands or their feet or where they are in the rhythm. Like I can watch folks that are like Turkish Roma that are doing this dance and I can tell if they're in Macedonia, if they're in Bulgaria or if they're in Turkey Mm. just by the way that they dance it. And, um, you know, Greece and all of that. Um, I haven't seen as much of the Roma stuff there as much as like, you know, the different nine, eight stuff that they do, which you can also see some of like the, the patterns, you know, the footwork and some of the handwork, you know, it's all very much connected. Mm. So, um, I would say to what, what I have found and what I think, I mean, so let me just go back and just say, so as I was dancing, you know, for however many years, you know, learning and, you know, people praising me and offering me to come and perform with them, you know, and I would go and I would tell Rehan and I'd say like, you know, people say I'm good and okay, that's nice, but I know I have a lot more to learn. Like, and I want to keep learning with you and how can I get better? Like, how can I get better? And she was like, you need good music. <laughs> that was the answer. Mm. <laughs> and I felt a little bit like, like she didn't really answer my question, you know, at first. And then I realized that she actually 100% answered my question. Because there's just no doubt when everyone is using that song from Kardesh Turkler that everyone, like all the foreigners use when they're dancing this dance. It brings out the movements that you see, like Anadolu Ateshi and some of these people doing. And then if they try to do, like you can't, the music calls for the movement. It calls mm-hmm. for the weight, calls for the rhythm, it calls for the pulse. So if you have just learned the movements and then you just try to put it on a rhythm because it's a 9-8 rhythm, that's not going to necessarily fit. It might just be one on top of the other. Mm. So... It's like if you hear the music and you understand the pulse and the weight and you, you know, you find the expression and you you find like the movement and the weight that's coming from the earth and the room, you know, like all of that, let's find where that reverberates, find where you kind of float for a minute and step on the ground. It's like these are the sort of building blocks of the music that moves you that then creates the dance. That's the way I feel about it from what I've witnessed, you know? Mm, Yeah, that's uh, very interesting. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Also, just another thought that I'm actually very happy we brought up this topic of uh, like different styles and... uh, uh, people's different like approaches and opinions etc because you gave a very good reminder for everyone whenever you hear someone uh either giving their opinion or evaluating or maybe judging even someone it's always good to kind of filter like who you hear it from and uh uh, where their background comes from and what maybe some biases that they may have. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's interesting to see those trends too, because they talk about uh, social environment of the dance and uh, mm-hmm. what is the living truth of today, especially in this case, it's even... Um, 
it's a tradition that actually is alive and it's still evolving and it's evolving in a certain circumstances and a certain social environment. And only like recently it starts really changing because I even remember first, again, I'm referring to the very first workshop uh, because after a few years already, I saw a very big change in that. I remember someone uh, came to Rehan and asked, oh, are you Romani? And mm-hmm. are you Romani? And she's like, no. And it was in that time, it was actually not clear if her English wasn't good, uh, because maybe she just didn't understand the question, or then talking to some other like organizers or in general, someone mentioned to me that at least back in that time, like later it was, it's, it started changing, but because of social environment of where a Turkish Roman, uh, Roma live, sometimes they prefer, uh, to sort of not acknowledge that they are Roma just to avoid any, not judgments, but, uh, any stereotypes or any t- just from their day to day life. And sometimes it transfers to dance. So I, I heard, I'm, I don't actually know if it's true or not, but I heard that Rayhan in the beginning of her career was actually not publicly, uh, announcing or acknowledging much that she is actually Roman. Uh, you were, you started learning with her actually earlier <laughs> than me. So, um, have you like also been in that environment and actually going to Turkey and studying with Turkish Romani uh, people and dancers and being with musicians, etc.? Did you ever felt um, that there was something like that in the communication to you because you were a foreigner too to, for them? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, there were many times that Roma didn't tell me that they were Roma, but more than them, it was usually the Kurds the Kurdish people mm-hmm. that wouldn't say they were Kurdish. And then once they felt you and realized that they could trust you, then they would say, well, actually I'm not Turkish. I'm Kurdish. <laughs> so I experienced that more with them than with uh, Roma. Um, but I never heard that about Rehan. You know, I've always known her to be, um, you know, proud of who she is and where she comes from. But um, there's always politics that, you know, we don't see behind who knows? And also there's a lot of gossip. So it's just hard to know what is really the truth and not the truth. But um, certainly there are times and places where it's better that they they just identify as Turkish. Mm. Yeah. Another, I don't know. Did that answer your question? No, to- totally. Like it's another kind of uh, <laughs> rhetorical more question because I guess there is no like actual like right. a real answer. It's just to hear again different experiences and uh, uh, right. yeah, I didn't hear that directly from her. It's again like uh, uh, I just remember that experience of hearing her say no, I'm not, and then I was like, it's really not clear like what is going on right now. Is it just no bad English well, or no know- English or is it something actually? going on there and it was like very weird because it was during dance festival so it was kind of in a uh, supportive dance environment but there was a lot of Turkish people who were working in the hotel that they're always coming to her festival like literally waiters, uh, security uh, like people like and dancing on the back of the hall (laughs) during her workshop so again who knows maybe there was someone standing right I don't know it just uh, there is there is something I do want to say, though, mm. is that um, there are many ways that Roma 
is used. So in Turkey, it's Roman, because in Turkish, Roma are the Italians. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, in, you know, there's certain places where they say Roma, Romani, uh, with the I, with the Y, right? Like there's, then people will start talking about the different tribes that, you know, you know, you could talk to Kristen Raisi about it. She could tell you all about all the tribes of the Roma folks, but there's a chance that she heard Roma like Italian, like maybe she was from Italy. It's like, no, I'm not from Italy. <laughs> I'm ah. You know, so maybe that's what it was. That's or a good point. That, that, I, that I have no idea about. But I remember going through that. And also, you know, like in Spain, the majority of them, they don't consider themselves Roma. They consider themselves Gitano, mm -hmm. even though Gitano means gypsy. And just the same as like in like, um, you know, Eastern Europe and stuff, they use like Singan, Sigane, stuff like this, which is not nice for us to use, but they use for themselves, right? So sometimes people identify, right? Like the, like the, the Gitanos in Spain, they do not consider themselves the same Roma bloodline. They consider themselves Gitanos and that the Roma are like from the Balkans in Turkey. So there's a, a lot of... Um, division and solidarity and difference in definition with just words depending on the language hmm. so if I know correctly you also uh, you are teaching a Macedonian uh, style of Romani dance is that correct? Um, not exactly but I um, uh, let's see when I was in New York I used to live in New York and there's um of Roma community out there and they're Macedonian. They're, most of them are Turkish Roma from Macedonia. And so I learned a lot of kind of like their stylization and, and um, a lot of the solo like Macedonian um, dancing that they do. And they also do the Roman stuff, but they tend to use more like swiveling of their hips and less of the um, pelvis up actually. Um, and so I try to teach that kind of stuff when I can. And also the Bulgarian, the Turkish Roma from Bulgaria, like Stefka and Rumen, um, Rumen Salishopov, his family, they're from Bulgaria. And, um, and they, so their family has, you know, really nice style. So, and it's also to the music that I really love. So I don't teach, teach it, but I will try to share like, um, ways to rhythmically move with these different uh, rhythms from these different regions and then ways to bring your belly and, um, you know, your hips into it in the ways that um, I've seen the women and the men do out there. But is it like, just to, to clarify, because I may be confusing here, is it like Romani uh, style from those regions or is it like Turkish Romani style of people who move to that regions and change the, that according to, to that local culture too? Right. I actually could give you some names of people that might love to be interviewed by you that could really give you, you know, in-depth um, studies. Sonia Seaman, she's, um, she's a professor and she knows a lot about just um, the history and the migrations and stuff. What, I, what I've experienced is that um, this is like a very simplified version. It's only my experience, right? So mm -hmm. I, I, I can only speak from there. But um, there are Turkish Roma, and then there are 
Christian Roma, and they're very different. And um, but the the Turkish Roma, no matter what region they're in, um, there's a similarity. You know, obviously I can speak the language with them, and we have a shared you know songs and music and dance. You know, together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much flavored from the different regions that they're in. So the majority of the Roma that I spend time with are of like, you know, they consider them, it's a much longer, amazing migrational story that I don't know much of, but I know that they identify as Turkish Roma mm-hmm. and um, like as their lineage and ancestry in, in, in ways and that um, they, you know, I don't know, like nationality. It all, I mean, not everyone is the same, of course, you know, but then they live in Bulgaria, they live in Macedonia, you know, they live in these certain places. And so then that, of course, influences their music and their dance. But there's still, um, my experience has been, um, if you are in these Turkish Roma communities, this music and dance is there. It might not look exactly like what you see Rehan do, but it's pretty similar. Mm. Well, thank you for clarifying. It sounds like another exciting uh, topic to dig in uh, more, like uh, deeper, and uh, uh, especially researching like history and the historical migration of people, and in those, uh, uh, let's say, kind of nomadic tribes that later settled and uh, developed their culture on on, on uh, specific regions. It's always very exciting because it brings up a lot of uh, interesting insights on why the dance form is the way it is right now. But at the same time, it's a very confusing topic because it's really difficult to find out where the uh, truth and where is the correct information and how at all we can really know that. Uh, but... Uh, Uh, thank you for pointing out and highlighting a little bit about it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing uh, topic, you know, and there's really, there's really so much, so much to it. And I always think that, you know, like as dancers and, you know, musicians and people who are interested in all of these things, you know, I think it's, um, there's so much wealth and information. And I always think also it's important to, you know, whenever I do like an interview or a workshop, you know, I always talk to my friend um, who is Roma and I always ask her like, you know, I'm doing this and I'm not of the culture, you know, and like, just want to make sure I cross all my T's and dot all my I's, you know, like, what should I say? You know, should volunteer to help them in like humanitarianism, you know, should I say, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? And she says, you know, she said, just start by just saying like, don't use the word gypsy. You know, like, and if you, if someone else uses it, just like kindly educate them that Roma is the name of the people and gypsy is derogatory, you know, and just, she says like, she thinks that's a good start. And so I always like to just put that out there because she's a dear friend and an ally of mine. And she's an activist where these communities have such beautiful music and dance but they still, so many don't have basic humanitarian rights. And I just think it's important for us to, when we can, stick up for them as well, (laughs) especially since we love so much of where they come from. We want them to keep going, you know? That's so true. It's absolutely. Before we kind of sum up our interview, I just cannot avoid not uh, at least like, 
briefly talking about this topic because we talked a lot about, uh, let's say, we mentioned quite a lot about historical like evolution and how uh, the dance is evolving and today how it is. But let's briefly talk about its uh, recent <laughs> chapter and what is it? Technorama style. For me, it was literally a shock to discover it. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because I, I was for a few years, I was really into like learning and discovering Turkish Romani style. And then for a few other years, I was kind of focused on something else. And then suddenly someone sends me a video of Technorama <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I missed something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. You know, I haven't been back in too many years and my plan is to hopefully get there this year. I'm really looking forward to it. So I'll probably have more experience. But what I noticed is, you know, this, um, this music evolves with the people right and so with youtube and you know like the opening up to the you know the world and this modernness and everything that's happening i mean techno is a really big thing you know in the young community as is hip-hop and um you can just see the youth kind of um and then you can i really see sort of just you know modernization coming in and and the dance adapting to that there's a style that i think if I'm thinking of the right one, it's called Kolbasta, and I think that's the same one. And if you watch it, they're doing a lot of those moves, which are, it's like very like jumpy and like, you know, using their hands, um, you know, like slapping their hands and doing a lot of like kind of like jumpy stuff. And you can see that in this other style. Um, and it seems like they're bringing, bringing it into that. I just think it's, an, it's just a way to club, a way to party to the 9-8 rhythm probably have some similarities to um you know what's happening with shabi you know i just took an amazing workshop with melissa gamal and she had incredible information on all of her workshops and i learned a lot about shabi you know it's been going on since i think the 50s or 60s and it's developing constantly and you know it's 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 in a similar stage that the the um techno roman is in you know so it's definitely of the times <laughs> yeah, for me it was uh, it was an interesting analogy. Uh, techno Roma with street modern street shabby, what we call street shabby, mm. and it kind of a, like at least to me it was discovered more or less at the same time that there was like this boom and peak of beginning peak of street shabby, uh, because as far mm-hmm. as I know, street shabby actually existed for. A long time before even revolution, it just was way smaller and not that mm-hmm. popular and uh, just done by like a way smaller uh, group of people. But then during the revolution, mm-hmm. it really got boomed and uh, uh, got popular and uh, gave to, of course, changed uh, with uh, involving many more people into it. Uh, but it was, for me, it was interesting, like this evolution of like street shabby we see in Egypt and then suddenly mm-hmm. technorama in Turkey. Like I was like, I couldn't, <laughs> I could not imagine even possibly if someone didn't show me the video of, of that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but that's interesting. I was just going to say that for the, the techno Roman too, like, and the shabby and everything that's happening at the same time. I mean, I think it really is the, 
the beauty and the shame of, you know, us being able to have everything at the tip of our fingers. You know, it's like this sound and music is a new sound and it's happening in every country, you know, pop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pop and it's like popular music, got that poppy sound that, you know, the lyrics that are either, you know, kind of political or kind of meaningless, you know, but have that kind of feel that seems to be a reflection of what's going on with the, with the youth kind of all over the world. There's something about it. I don't personally like it, but there's something about it that's resonating with the generations around the world. It's a, or it's what's being fed by the producers for, I don't know what reason, but you hear it everywhere, (laughs) but at least they're bringing dance to it. It's very interesting. Mm. Are you planning during your next visit to Turkey to maybe uh, get some ex- uh, couple of classes in this new <laughs> chapter of Turkish Romani style? <laughs> oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm hoping every time I've been to Turkey, I always ended up just, Istanbul just kept me there for various reasons. So I, my plan is to be outside of Turkey and especially to um, visit the Thrace, Thrakia area, and then up into Epirus, into the area of, you know, Greece, um, Albania, Bulgaria, Turkey. Those are the regions I'm hoping to get to and just to meet more of the uh, Roma musicians and dancers and just continue to deepen my... uh, a little bit that I've learned so far, you know. (laughs) Mm, That sounds like an exciting uh, trip coming up. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) A lot of planning to do. Uh, Yeah, well, good luck with it. Uh, uh, Looking forward to follow uh, your travel adventures and dance adventures uh, (laughs) later. Hopefully, maybe you'll share a little bit on social media, not only in your workshops afterwards (laughs) with us. (laughs) And uh, that actually brings me to a question. Uh, Can you share, please, with our listeners where they can uh, follow you and follow your activities and maybe any upcoming uh, workshops or events this spring or summer that they can actually catch uh, catch you up in person somewhere oh sure thank you yeah I have a website that's in the making which is my name and it's also Facebook too is just just say a Zeray spelled (laughs) j-e-s-s-a-i-a-h it's a difficult one Um, I don't have anything planned at the moment but anyone that is interested to ask me any questions or has any interests. I, I love talking about it so they can find me on Facebook always. <laughs> mm. I'll make sure also to uh, include links in the show notes. So for everyone, it's uh, way easier to, to find. You can just go to the show notes and uh, uh, click the link and connect to our awesome today's guest and follow her dance adventures. <laughs> um Thank you yeah. so much for your time and for willingness and openness to talk and uh, discuss. We touched a couple of, let's say, hot topics, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you for being open to actually go into discussion. And uh, I truly believe that the more we discuss, the more we talk, the better it is um, about these kind of uh, topics and relationships. And in general, thank you for sharing your experience uh, with uh, uh, your uh, dance uh, learning uh, process and uh, uh, some, I'm sure a lo- uh, our listeners can get a lot of takeaways from this conversation. <laughs> 
Thank you. I appreciate it. It was very, very fun. And I always learn every time I get asked questions, I learn more as well. So thank you very much. Oh, I'm happy to hear. Uh, so here is one more final question. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. That is <laughs> our, we have a traditional signature question that I always ask at the end of every episode. Uh, so typically it's about belly dance, but I will open it a little widen up today, but it will be about belly dance and Turkish Romani dance. So the question is, what makes you fall in love with uh, belly dance and Turkish Romani dance again and again? So you keep doing it for so many years. <laughs> It's a great question. I would say um, the music, you know, the music and a set uh, sets of movements that are really nice foundations that you can grow from and um, keep bringing into your own body as well as uh, with when you are learning any dance, but within belly dance and the these other folkloric and traditional dances, you get to meet other people along the way that you get to learn from and emulate and practice with. And so it's the constant, you get to constantly learn and constantly share. And so I'd say that's why I keep coming back. <laughs> that's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guests because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. What stops you from practicing more at home? Typically, it's uh, time, space, money, low motivation, or maybe frustration with what exactly to do. How about solving all this with Yana Dance Club? Don't have time? Each practice drill is only 20 minutes long. It's a complete workout with a special focus on different technique element And even if you do the suggested bare minimum, you still will see results and it won't take you more than 20 minutes per session. Have limited space? All drills are actually designed for practice in your home, so it's literally a no-brainer. Struggle with motivation and discipline? How about making your training fun with monthly challenges, cool bonuses and support from a like-minded community of dancers? I promise you'll start looking forward to your practices very soon. Concerned about money? Did you know that the membership starts with only $8 per month? It's less than a regular group class in your local studio all the cost of two Starbucks coffees. But in this case, you actually invest those $8 in a whole month of your dance training. And finally, no more frustration on how exactly to approach your training at home and what to do. You can use those drills as a warm-up or to get into a groove before your longer individual sessions, or actually as a complete 20-minute belly dance workout of the day. Simply follow the suggested plan for your weekly training and push your dance skills to the next level. You can find more information about Yana Dance Club at yanadanceclub.com and start your 7-day free trial today. Once again, visit yanadanceclub.com for more information and to start your weekly belly dance training today.